Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Yes, we have to change our lives because he wants us to become more like him. We would like to think that we're all doing our best to be all that God has created us to be, but sometimes it's hard, and many times we fall short, myself included. But the truth is, even at our best, with our best efforts, we still need Jesus. You see, our faith in Jesus pushes us to trust him when we cannot trust our circumstances, or we can't even trust ourselves. You see, our actions through faith prove the authenticity of our faith. Let me, let me say that one more time in a way that you may get this, is that we all have faith. We have faith in something. You exercised faith when you sat in these pews. You exercised faith that they had been cleaned for today's service. You exercised faith that it would hold the weight of you and your your family. You may not have thought about it, but there was faith placed in it. But here's the thing. There are a lot of people that talk today about having faith in God, but to see the true authenticity of their faith, as James is going to tell us today, faith is seen in the deeds that we do, in our actions. See, for example, let's play a word association game. I will ask you a question about something or someone, and you tell me what their function is or what they do. Can we try that? Can we have a little interaction story time right here? All right. For example, what does an automobile's engine do? Runs. It gives power to, to make it go, right? Is there a story we need to hear about? <laughs> Wealthy had a good old Baptist look like, hey, brother, he's talking about you. Uh, But anyway, all joking aside, engines power vehicles, okay? Uh, What does a pencil do? It writes, very good. What does a mail person do? Deliver mail. Y'all have got this down. All right. What does a broom do? All right. What does a lawyer do? Be nice. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll just move on, okay? Um, what does a teacher do? What does a pastor do? And then, never mind, don't answer that one. <laughs> but what does, a, what does a Christian do? And that's what James is talking about today. You see, the point of this little game is that we know what each one of those objects or those people or positions do that were listed, but... Many of those things were defined by the work that they do. Just as you would not clean a floor with a pencil, you wouldn't try to write with a mop. Or you wouldn't depend on your actions to to get you out of something that you have no control over. So the thing is, is those things that we do, the things that we do, our everyday actions, they reveal the type of faith that we have. Just as a broom sweeps. We as Christians, if we claim to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, our actions represent that commitment. So the thing is, is that uh, before we jump into the book of James that we're walking through for the next couple of weeks, is that I want to show you a verse in John 13, 15. John 13, 15. And a Christian must act as a Christ imitator. Christian means of Christ. 
just like a Carolinian would be of Carolina, right? A Christian must act like a Christ imitator. Jesus himself said in John 13, 15, I have given you an example. In other words, he's saying, follow me. Look at what I've done. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So we are to treat others the way Jesus Christ has modeled and treated us. So are there some areas in your life today that you're exhibiting maybe a disconnect between your faith and your actions? Do some of them not measure up? James continues his teaching on living an authentic Christian life this morning by explaining the relationship between our faith and our actions or our deeds. We can all benefit from this today. So the first thing is you are looking in your Bibles. We're going to be in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. If you have the Version Bible app on your phone, if you go to the events place, you can see the outline or there will be one provided on the screen for you as well. But the first thing that we see is that your faith connects to your deeds. They're not set apart. Your deeds don't earn your faith. And your faith doesn't automatically make you do good deeds. There's, there's an act of a will here. And so starting with verse 14, before I get into that, we all can agree with this. Everybody is watching you. Everybody is watching you. I see it all the time. I remember my father-in-law, we were in his house, and he was talking about the fact that his next-door neighbor, he can see his next-door neighbor walking up and down the street, and whatever he does, his little grandson is right behind him doing the very same thing. There's always eyes that are watching you. They may be the ones under your own roof. They may be the ones in your pew, in your school desk, in your work environment, or just maybe the person sitting beside you when you eat this afternoon. You see, how many families have struggled with the fact that they act so spiritual at church and religious events, but when they go home, it holds no bearing. It's no holds barred, foul language, terrible talking, disrespectful tones, and not-so-hidden addictions. I can remember when I was a Joe youth group, when I was a teenager, and I was everything about the youth group. I was like the president of the, the youth council. My youth pastor was proud of me, Weldon. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was awesome. I loved my youth group experience, but the thing was, was that I could go to church, and I could be holier than thou, and then when I come home, I could be a terror to my parents. And I think about what kind of image was I giving to them? What, what did it look like to look so spiritual at church and then so worldly at home or at school? So everyone is watching us. How many times have waiters and waitresses seen smiling faces dressed to the hilt? They come in after church and they have a big group of them and they laugh and they hoop and they holler and they leave their kids and themselves. They leave silverware and pieces of food all over the floor. And then when they leave, they don't give a tip. What do you think that waiter and waitress does? So it's a very bad, bad taste. If any of y'all have, have ever waited on, on people like that, you know what I'm talking about. And what makes it even worse is that they tip bad and leave a gospel track. Folks, we can be dumb sometimes. The actions are not meeting up to what the claims are. But let me just go ahead before I read James 14 in just a second. Let me just set the bar for you and for me. You're a hypocrite. 
<laughs> and I got news for you. I'm a hypocrite. We're all hypocrites. We are all on the same level playing field, my friend. I am no better than you. And you are no better than me. The Bible says, actually, that all of us have sinned and we not fell short of the glory of God, but we fall short of the glory of God. And we fall short of his standard. So today, it's more important than ever for our actions to point to Jesus. If we look at verse 14 of James 2, it says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? i got some football players in here today. What good is it going to be to memorize that playbook backwards and forwards and not execute it? Take the wrong block. Throw the wrong pass. Hand it to the wrong guy. Look like the bad news bears out there. And I just dated myself because half of you don't know what that is. But but James is saying here, look, can that kind of faith save anyone? The, The faith that talks about it but doesn't walk about it. He says in verse 15, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? You see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. That's the formula there. Faith by itself is not enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, some of you may argue some people have faith and other people have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't show or have good deeds? He says, I will show my faith by my good deeds. Now, James is challenging everyone who claims that they have faith, but they refuse to show it through their actions. Notice James says, or he doesn't say that they have faith. He says they have a type of faith, but they don't have the real saving faith in this passage. Because faith is not accomplished by deeds. Look, you can take a Christian and a non-Christian and put them side by side. And both of them could do great works for the, for the Lord or for themselves. There are some people that do not believe in God that will, do, will give people the shirt off their back and do amazing things for society. But it's not faith. It's just good works. And so what we see here is that notice James, faith is not accompanied by deeds. It's not a saving faith. For example, you and I go to the doctor and they run tests to evaluate whether we have coronavirus or whatever else they're, they're checking for, and we hope that there's normal, but if they're lacking or there's too much of something, that test reveals that. And so the true test of your faith and the true test of my faith will not be in the words that we speak, but in the deeds that we carry out. You see, we are judged by our words and our actions. Prayerfully, I'm not going to get political here, on a certain party, but there's an election coming up in November. And if you are eligible to vote, you need to get out and vote whichever way God leads you to vote. Regardless of who you vote for, please don't look at only their claims and their words. Don't listen to their promises. Look at what they've done up to this point. Look at their actions. That's how you will know what kind of candidate they are for whatever office it is. They can talk about what they're going to do, but their track record shows what they're doing. 
Just like with a Christian, faith and deeds increase as our faith grows. It's time for you and I to be honest about the condition of our faith. It's time to ask God if there's more that we can do to grow our faith. Because here's the thing. If your faith is fake, if you have a fake faith, or better yet, maybe a watered-down faith, if, if you have a fake faith, it's going to produce fake deeds, fake actions. For example, if you are filled with apathy, you think, well, I'm not doing anything either way. To not do something for the Lord is to make a decision not to do something. It's called disobedience. You can dress it up and put it in a nice box, but apathy is a sin. Sometimes people will do things just to be seen. Sometimes they'll do it for personal gain. Sometimes they'll do it for revenge. And sometimes they will just do that to please another person. Those things are fake. But a living faith, a living faith, if you want to know what kind of faith is this preacher talking about? Don't take my word for it. You can go back and look later, but I'll put it on the screen for you here. A living faith produces spiritual fruit. Now, my wife, bless her heart, she started paint, uh, planting some flowers. And uh, we had them in a nice big pot in the front yard. And I don't know about in your area, but we have deer everywhere. Those son of a guns came up to that thing and ate the flowers right out of the... I mean, he, they thought they were at Pizza Inn buffet or something. I mean, they just, she looked out there and said, my flowers are gone. So sure enough, we took them out and put them in the backyard and they're growing again. Now, when they're growing, we don't expect tomatoes to show up because you didn't plant tomatoes. We don't expect a peach tree to, to come out of that pot because you didn't plant peaches. And my friend, in the same way, if we have God in our lives, these are the fruit that we will produce. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces a kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there's going to be a day where you'll be lucky to hit one of those. Now, if you hit all of those, please talk to me, because... You are right next to Jesus. But the thing is, is that this is not a bar to show you how much you failed. This is a target to show you what to reach towards. So don't tell the needy God places in your path to buzz off. We saw that in the passage. Because James wrote in verse 16, he says, Don't tell the needy goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. It would be incorrect to assume that they even had food and were warm to start with. The, the cold hard truth is, this is meant for the religious people that would say to get warm and eat, where, eat well somewhere else. In other words, I see that you're hungry, I see you have a need, but buzz off. Because we don't, we don't have anything here for you. Imagine it this way. Imagine you're going home after church today, you and your family. And you get a couple miles from home, boom, flat tire. Flat tire. And so you get out, and you start changing that flat tire, and you realize you can't find the locking nut for the nut that, that keeps the rim on, and you realize you have a hard time finding the jack, and, and the kids are not helping you with this, and so you're getting frustrated, and about that time, a guy pulls up and says, you got a flat tire? Move on. 
How, how aggravated would you be? Right. Well, preacher, I can't say it. I'm in church right now. Yeah, I would be aggravated at that. Hey, you got a flat tire? Nope. I'm just trying to see what it looks like if it runs flat. Yeah, I got a flat tire. Then as I drive off, you see the little Christian bumper sticker with all the family member stickers on the window. Or you see their church bumper sticker. How would that look? Not too good, right? That's what this passage is talking about. If we say that we're a Christian, we need to be able to help if God gives us opportunities. The second thing, belief alone in Jesus should not be considered a living faith. Now, this is very tricky. I don't want people to misconstrue what I say. Belief alone in Jesus should not be considered a living faith. Yes, you need to believe in Jesus to become a Christian. But it's more than just believe. I believe I can fly, but I'm not going to jump off of this roof. You know, it doesn't matter what we believe sometimes. It says in verse 19 and 20, you say you have faith for you believe that there is a God, one God. You believe that there is one God. Good for you. So he's saying, hey, yeah, you're on the right track. But don't be too proud of yourself because he says even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish, can't you see, that faith without deeds is useless. You see, faith without action is just intellectual assent. In other words, you're saying in your brain, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Which makes you no different than the demons from hell. Yes, the devil believes in Jesus. The demons believe And Jesus, they don't like him. They don't yield to him, but they believe in him. James makes sure to point out that even those who are evil to the core believe in Jesus. There are many cults and false religions out today that Jesus is part of their belief structure. They may call him a a very good teacher or they may call him a very good man, but, but to call him the only way to heaven and the way, the truth, and the life, and that he died for our sins... They don't, they, they don't do that. Folks, I, ha, I have a real burden for America. I have a real burden for this world. I have a burden for this church. Because right now, if we don't do something and we let our teenagers and our children and our adults know that it's not enough to believe in Jesus, but there has to be actions. Look, I used to be a youth pastor. I know what it means on Thursday night when everybody wants to throw a stick in the fire and they want to rededicate their life and they get back to the parking lot of the church and nothing has changed. The bad thing is, is that they did it as a youth and now they're doing it as adults. And the thing is, is that many children and teenagers believe in Jesus throughout their whole childhood. But when they go to college or a workplace, they find out to believe in Jesus is not enough. It's not placing your faith in him. A recent survey back in, well, it's fairly recent, back in 2016, found that the number of freshmen attending America's colleges who have left their faith over the past three decades has skyrocketed. So after the past 30 years, the number of teenagers that grow up like I did at Joe Youth Group, and then they go to college or they go to get a real job, and they, they just leave the church and they leave the faith. 
Sometimes they come back after they get married and they have children. They want to get the children in. But the number of college students with no religious affiliation has tripled in the last 30 years from 10% in 1986 to 31% in 2016. Over that same period, the number who attended religious services dropped from 85% to 69%. You don't believe me? If you go to a Christian school, watch how many people they have in their midweek chapel services. You may not know this, but in our Christian colleges, every kid gets, quote-unquote, gets to go to a chapel service. But if they don't attend enough, guess what? They don't graduate. That's motivation, isn't it? It's not like people are flocking. It's that we are losing a generation because they think the belief in Jesus is enough. If I wear a T-shirt, if I say the right things, if I do the right events, then I'm going to be okay. And they can go through an entire lifetime of believing in Jesus, but never placing their faith in them. How do we know that? Because we don't see the actions. Folks, our world is in a mess. Where are the Christians in the action? I can't save everybody, but I can start with myself. And you can start with yourself. We must teach the Bible to our families when they are young. Instill it in their hearts and model it for them to see. The third thing we see is that faith and deeds are inseparable. You cannot have one without the other. They are inseparable regardless of who you are. we got people here today that are from a vast different backgrounds. We have some people that have been a Christian as long as they can remember breathing. And then we have some people that have been delivered from mighty things. And we have other people that say, well, preacher, it's just me. I've been, I've been a Christian all my life. I, I don't know much about it. But look, there's just as much power of what God has pulled you from than what is God has kept you from. But we see in 21 to 26, first we see he brings up Abraham. He's, he's writing to a Jewish audience. And so this was kind of like their man. This was the guy that they all identified with. He says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. It says in here that Abraham was a friend of God. That means that he had a right standing with God. Imagine if Abraham would have told God, God, I will do anything, but I'm not going to sacrifice my son Isaac. We wouldn't be reading about him today. And he would never have known the blessing and the power of God that in the moment when he held back that knife and he was getting ready to strike his only son that God had given him, and he's ready to follow through with what God says, God says, wait, there's a sacrifice on the other side of the mountain. Sacrifice him and said, God never intended for Isaac to sacrifice, or for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. He just wanted to see if he would take the action to do it. Folks, when God asks us to do something, he wants to see that we have the faith to do it. So Abraham was their God, but then he goes to the second illustration in 25 and 26. He says, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions 
when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as a body is dead without breath, so is a faith is dead without good works. Am I the only one in here today, folks, that finds it amazing that in the first sentence of God's word, it says, Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the prostitute is another example. That is amazing to me. Rahab's story is found in Joshua 2, 8 through 13. And if you ever want to read that, it's it's pretty amazing how you see the the scarlet thread, the, the bloodline of Jesus throughout the Old Testament. But Hebrews 11.31, where they're talking about the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, recounts her story. The story of a prostitute. And it says that it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And then, in Matthew 1, verse 5, where they are listing it down the lineage of Jesus, the 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 Ancestry.com family tree of Jesus, and you see in verse 5 that Rahab's name is in the family line of Jesus. The woman that was once a prostitute is now in the bloodline of Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is amazing to me. And that tells me no matter how jacked up and messed up I have been, God can use me. And no matter how jacked up and messed up you have been, you are or you will be. God can still use you because we see here that Rahab chose to reject her people that could have possibly meant her death to protect God's messengers. You see, God saw her faith, not her situation. You understand that, right? God saw her faith, not her situation. God sees you, not in the situation you're in, but what he has created you to be. You think that what you're in is keeping you from God, but it's the very thing drawing you to Him. God sees you as His creation, regardless of your situation. And just as Rahab's faith caused her to risk her life for God's spies, so we give our life every day as a living sacrifice to God. God can change and use anyone, regardless of their past, present situation. And the thing is, we've been talking about faith and deeds, right? The fact that you see Rahab's name in the family line, a bloodline of Jesus, what does it show you? It shows you, as although she was once a prostitute, she left that lifestyle. She changed her actions. She changed the trajectory of her life. And her faith began to affect her choices. Whether you are a teenager and an adult or a child or where, I mean, somewhere in the, whoever you are, that is what James is saying today, that our faith affects our choices and our actions. So finally, we see that deeds do not earn our faith. I don't want you to leave here thinking, well, the preacher said, if I do enough good things, I'm going to get faith. Folks, this is not the Boy Scouts. You don't get a merit badge from God for doing good works. You do good works because God is within you. You see, it says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, God saved you by His grace. God saved you by His grace. Not that you could do anything to earn it, but by His grace, He saved you when you believed. 
And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. There is nothing that you can do. There is no amount of money. There is nothing you can say other than Jesus Christ come into my life and forgive me of my sins and let me walk for you and work for you and let my actions speak of that faith. That is the only thing you can do because it's about his mercy, not your ability. If you were able to get salvation on your own, there would have been no need for Jesus to die on the cross. Because you could have done it yourself. You were saved by the grace of God. You received that grace when you believed in Jesus, the one who died for your sins, and asked him to save you. You see, the authenticity of that decision is seen in your actions. My friend, if you prayed a prayer and that's all you did and your life is no different, you're still doing the things that you you used to do, you don't feel guilty about it, you don't have any desire to do what God wants you to do, then you're on shaky ground, my friend, because I believe you might be like a demon. You believe in Jesus, but you have no faith. Maybe have your desires and deeds, or your deeds changed, your desires changed. Have your, has your thought life changed? Folks, don't leave here today with just a belief in Jesus. Faith and deeds are inseparable, so make sure your faith is authentic today. Let's pray. Dear Holy Spirit, please help us bridge the disconnect between what we say and what we do. May our faith inspire our deeds and our deeds reflect our faith today. This is what you demand and this is what we need, Lord. This is what our family needs. This is what our church needs. And this is what our world needs. May you work in us now. And as we close our prayer today, I will have an invitation, extend an invitation to anyone that's here that wants to make sure that they don't, don't just have the head knowledge that Jesus is the Messiah and their Savior, but that they have him in their heart by confessing accepting, and that their deeds will reflect that. If you have questions, come to me. You can talk to me if you're watching by way of video or watching a later broadcast. You can always message us. We will pray with you. We love you. And we don't want you to be misguided to think that you are heaven-bound when all you have is Jesus in your mind but not your heart. Your deeds can make this world a better place. Your deeds in Christ through faith can make your life better today. If you believe, act. It's in your name we pray. Amen.